<laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we're bringing you a very exciting guest with a massive event in his near future, and we can't wait to talk to him all about it. But before we do, very quick shout out to sponsors of the show, your friends and ours, no judges needed, your one-stop shop for all of your combat sports apparel. I'm talking rash guards, combat shorts, uh, casual wear like hoodies, t-shirts, you name it. The list goes on, including geese, modeled by the incomparable Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Insert picture of said gi here. Now, you're looking at all these geese, the quality's there. Price might be a little high, but that's okay because we're here to help you out with a promo code. Type in the code JJT at checkout. It will net you a cool 20% off all purchases now and forever, which is an insane deal for what you're getting. When you buy from these guys, you're buying back into the community we all love. And right now, we all need to support each other as much as we can. The world's trying to squeeze us out with COVID. We're focused on election. We, we need our jujitsu. We need it, man. So go there. Let them know we sent you. You're helping us out. You're helping the show out. Everybody helping everybody. People help the people. All right. Ad read over. And yeah, now can I, I will... can I just say one thing real quick? Like, yeah. you're so good at that, by the way. <laughs> remember me when you're famous one day, when you have this amazing, immaculate broadcasting career. Just remember the little people that got you started, okay? Oh, That's all yeah. So, so you'll, you'll be saying that, and you'll be on a, on a vacation home on the moon because you'll you'll <laughs> – be doing so many privates. You one day the president's going to go, Kevin Gallagher. I need you to be the, the the secretary of grappling for America, and then you're in charge of in charge of all the strangling that goes on in the United States. Right, I'll take it. I'll but take I'll it. tell you, we might be famous one day. We're definitely going to be famous one day. But you know who's famous right now? Our guest, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him today. We welcome to the studio uh, Polish BJJ black belt. Uh, UAE Grand Slam champ, and given how great this guy's hair is, potential L'Oreal hair model, uh, your friend and ours, Adam Wardzinski. Adam, welcome to What's the show, up? man. How are you doing today? Hey, very well. Thank you. I got to ask, like, we're going to get all into jujitsu, all into your upcoming match at Polaris, but before that, what's the hair routine look like? Because... Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna to lie. I'm a little. I'm a little jealous. Uh, to be honest, it's not very complicated, you know. So uh, when I'm uh, taking a shower in the gym, I take whatever there is and I'm putting it on my hair. <laughs> at home, I'm I'm stealing my girlfriend's shampoo. And it's always the it. best route. That's always the best way to go. Yeah, girlfriends <laughs> always have the best shampoo. You just steal their. That's shampoo. true. That's true. I'm not even buying mine. I'm I'm just taking hers. <laughs> they prefer it, it that way anyway. They just want your hair to be clean. Just use my yeah. shampoo. Don't even buy it. <laughs> exactly. I'm exactly. not gonna lie, Adam. As a guy who's wearing a hat because of how bald I'm getting, <laughs> I'm pretty sure genetically you could put motor oil in your hair every day and it still look really good. So you know. I hope I hope it's gonna stay like this. But you never know. Maybe next podcast you can see me like balding. You never know. You never know. You know it, it can it can start anytime. I, I was looking at your tattoo on your arm. That looks like some pretty nice work, man. That was on the, on the right arm. Over there. I saw you when you flipped your hair up. Let me see that thing, the tattoo on your arm. Uh, this this one? one, yeah, up in the corner uh, there. The red I one. I got like a balloon. Oh, it's a new one. Yeah, that's like nice, a, dude. That's nice. Uh, like a panther. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look at that. I got like, 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 I like the old schools, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, uh, both hands tattooed, but uh, yeah, I still have to have to finish uh, finish those i'm in the I, process of a big one on this arm here it's taking nice. forever it's beautiful but it's like when you get these big ones like this like it literally you go sit in the chair and it's like five yeah. hours and then you get done and you're like holy shit i have to do that like 10 more times <laughs> yeah and the, the, for me the worst thing is like uh whenever i'm getting another piece it, it the pain is more annoying than it used to be before Right. So I don't know how, how that how's that working, but uh, it's getting harder and harder. 
you get over it. You get old and you're like, I don't really give a shit about tattoos. Yeah. I got a bunch of them on this arm that are kind of cool. And then I have one of my clients. He's a big tattoo artist. He's like, Coach Kevin, you got to let me do a sleeve for you. And I was like, ah. He's like, no, no, no. He can finally convince me to it. And then like, <laughs> okay, cool. You get through the first session. Like, that's just the outline. We still got 30 hours to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. And now you got to do it. You can't be like, ah, yeah. you know, I think I'm done. You know, you got to keep going. Gotta for, for me, the worst thing is healing, you know, because. Uh, yeah, you're training. Yeah, because you can't just jump in and spar, you know, you right. have to, you can only drill and stuff like that. So you, you have to be like really conscious about that. And it has to be like super clean. So really no hard training. And that's a, that's a tough part for me because, uh, you know, may, right now it's a little bit more relaxed because of the COVID thing, but it used to be like, I was uh i was always before some kind of tournament i was always preparing myself for for the tournament or or i was like just another event was just around the corner so it, it it's hard you know it's hard to to get those tattoos and heal them properly yeah i'm i'm right there with you i see a lot of these guys in the ufc sometimes and they've got like body suits and i think to myself how did this guy find time to get this <laughs> tattoos it's still enough time to train to make it in the UFC. yeah yeah but i think the the case is like whenever you have a mma fight you're taking like two weeks off through three weeks off after the fight so that's a perfect time for for getting a tattoo in jiu-jitsu if you get into into the routine like competing routine and you're like competing a lot then it's hard to get some time. Now I've, I've been there this, for sure. Real quick, this is about as off topic for jujitsu. We have one of the best black belts on the planet right now, and all we've talked about is how hot he is and tattooed <laughs> stuff, which is fine. <laughs> I don't care, but I think if we would be remiss if I think you guys are both uniquely qualified to maybe judge. Uh, UFC standout Kevin Lee just got a tattoo. Have either of you guys seen it? No. No. Okay, I'm gonna. I want you to give me your thoughts on this bad boy right here. Where is it? In the corner? It's yeah. It's the. Uh, it's on it's the, the head. He got the oh, whole it on his back head? Of his, He got the whole back of his head tattooed. Can you pull just that one up so we can see that? Yeah. Hang man. on one second. That looks. I mean, oh, I wait, get. Man. I. I can't say I'm opposed to the idea of a head tattoo. I just don't know if I can figure out what that composition is. It doesn't really look like it's any. You know what I'm talking about? It, I'm not really sure. I'm getting what he was going for with that. Hang on one second. Is uh, is Kevin Lee always keeping his head bald? Because it only has sense if you're if you're uh, shaving your head bald. Usually he has hair. Usually he's got a pretty pretty like full head of hair. So maybe he's determined to keep it shaved so that you can see that thing. Yeah, it just looks very odd. Yeah, I just I the only thing I thought I could think of when I saw this was, oh my god, this looks like it hurt. Yeah, like, probably it hurt. Is it a plate armor or what? I think it might be plate armor. It's supposed to be some ah, sort of that's yeah. You know what it kind of looks like? It looks like some kind of uh, helmet. It kind of looks like an Aztec warrior. You know, you know how they the Aztecs used to have those little things on their head, the little they they would oh, yeah, tattoo yeah. their heads and things like that. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but I could see plate armor too. <laughs> um, hey man, you know, a, 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 a tattoo is yours, and you could do whatever you want to with it. No one's here to judge. You got it on your body; it's gonna be there forever. So you make the most of it. Um, yeah, if he likes it. If he I likes like it, it, I guess, right? If he likes <laughs> it, I like it. That's about as political as we're going to get on this one. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think... You can probably kick his ass at him, so I, I, I can't talk as much shit about him as you can. So. Ooh. Well, I mean, he has like, – he did have trouble defending the ground attacks from Tony Ferguson during their fight. So, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> definitely – what, what would you – have you gotten the chance to roll with many uh, like MMA guys, either in UFC or Bellator? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I roll with a couple, and uh, because we have uh, we have some uh, some MMA guys fighting for for Bellator, fighting for UFC here in Poland. So I roll with couple, and uh, when I was preparing for ADCC, I was I was rolling with MMA guys a lot because, uh, of course, it's uh, 
a bit different rule set and it favors uh, wrestling guys. So I wanted to have uh, those MMA guys around because they like wrestling base and they're they're not engaging so much. So yeah, I roll with uh, with uh, with some uh, UFC KSW guys. KSW is, a, is like a big organization here in Poland, like probably uh, the biggest one in Europe. Yeah, I, I remember reading not too long ago about the the growing BJJ and MMA uh, culture in Poland. And, and they talked about how it's the next exploding area for 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 top notch fighters. What do you what do you think about that? What do, what do you attribute that to? uh i would say for for sure we have like really tough people here and uh like people are naturally tough like yeah like polish physique is like really strong people like like slavic type like eastern europe type uh so we have like a like also like a good background for uh for fighting sports because uh wrestling was always a big thing in poland and judo was a really big thing obviously we had like uh, great judo champions like uh, pavel nastula who uh, won olympics in judo uh so we got like a like a nice uh martial arts history and uh jiu-jitsu is really growing here as well I think it started with uh, with judo guys and wrestling guys. They got interested in in uh, in jujitsu, but uh, to be honest, I think it's more because they were interested in MMA. Then they found out that jujitsu in a gi and MMA is something really different, and it's split a little bit. But uh, still, jujitsu scene is is really big here and. Uh, there's a lot of gyms, a lot of people training. And like I said, Polish people, they, they love to fight. But uh, I don't know what's the reason. It's hard to say, actually. But we don't have so many people like uh, like really willing to go to the big stage. Uh, and I really don't know the reason. I really don't know the reason. And even if, if you look at the... For example, IBJJF European stats, like uh, representations of each country, Poland is is never like on a on a first spot or even like I don't know, probably it's uh, it's around tenth spot or something like that. And Pol- Poland is quite huge, so um, I don't know. It's hard hard to say why. Maybe it be because uh, because of the money issue. Because Poland is. Uh, is like Eastern Europe, we're a little bit uh, more poor, I would say, uh, comparing to Western Europe. So maybe it's a little bit harder for us to to travel and stuff like that. But uh, really, like, I don't think that can be a reason. Uh, just hard to say. I just, I just hope it's it's gonna grow that way, not only on the on the local scene, because. Local scene is, is, is huge. We got like uh, really big events here. Uh, for example, Polish Nationals. It's uh, only for Polish passport holders. And it's uh, 1,400 competitors, 1,500. So uh, that, that's a lot of people, you know. If we can, uh, if we can take that energy and those people and put them in uh in a big stage that'll be that'll be awesome i think also like we have to trust ourselves more and develop maybe a bit more confidence do you do you think that that bjj started before mma or was it in, in poland now or was MMA growing and then people decided to shoot off of MMA because of that? Do you understand that? Do you, you follow yeah, up yeah, talking yeah. about that trying to tell Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to be honest, I think it was uh, it was really connected with each other. When uh, when Jiu-Jitsu came to Poland, it was like really uh, connected one with each other and 
you couldn't sometimes really say where where's jiu-jitsu where's uh valetudo and where's mma people were training all of those you know right. and most of the people were like cross training gi training and mma training gi training a little bit of wrestling boxing so i think back in the days uh it was like really connected thing and it came uh came to poland together and actually jujitsu was uh was one of those tools i uh, i feel like it, it was missing there was no ground fighting in poland of course there was like boxing and wrestling but there was never a ground fighting so that was like a missing puzzle when uh when that came uh there was already some mma events uh going on as well you know so uh just to like promote jiu-jitsu uh the first mma mma fight was organized in poland to to promote jiu-jitsu actually so it was a little bit uh a little bit like they did in in uh in us right yeah like with the ufc and stuff like that yeah it's a more general how long ago do you think I'm just curious just because I I know I've heard of of, of legit fighting in in Poland that's kind of a thing that people talk about like there's some super legit jiu-jitsu in Poland. Well, how long do you think and obviously you from Poland so hell you know. But how how um how long do you think this explosion of jiu-jitsu in Poland has been going on? When when do you think like the time frame of about it started was? I think I think that the whole thing started like around uh, 20 years ago. Oh, so around, a while ago, a while ago then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around the uh, uh, 2000, maybe 1999. Oh, something oh, like shit. that. So that's similar, similar to the U.S. Maybe a little bit earlier in the U.S., but similar, similar. Uh... Like time? No, for- no. Like the U.S. was a little bit earlier in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, so. about about the same thing. Oh know? yeah, we're not, we're not talking. I was thinking like 2010, maybe the last no, ten okay. years. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. No, no. 2010, it was like really established. I started to train in uh, in 2010, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, like the the biggest grow, and like. Mm, I, I don't know how how we can call that like like really bringing the Polish scene close to the to the world scene like like seminars uh, Brazilians coming to teach uh, people from US from all over the world coming to to hold the camps. Uh, international competitions like more people traveling for jiu-jitsu i think it started like six years ago seven years ago i think it it's also connected with uh with the development of uh of polish like uh let's say how how much people people can earn and how much they can spend economy the whole yeah it's kind of connected with with the economy because our economy was on the rise so right. you could see like way way more people traveling and uh traveling for for competition or traveling just to just to train somewhere uh started to be like uh like like a thing yeah and, and then that kind of corresponds you know, five, six years ago, maybe a little bit sooner than that. But that also kind of corresponds with the explosion of what we see as professional jujitsu on the whole. You know, and I remember when I read that article, it's been it's been a few years since I read that. I think it was I think it was around the times that one of the worlds came out. They were talking about how the Polish, you know, Poland is a new you know, center epicenter for jujitsu in hmm. Europe and all these great po- fight, Polish Polish jujitsu fighters and things like that. And you know, I was I was just curious about where how it all started because I think about how jujitsu has spread around to the different regions that it's now become a part of. And that's interesting to know that Poland has been that established for that long. Yeah, I, I, I gotta I gotta bring this up just because I, I feel like a lot of like even you, Adam, seem surprised a little bit that jujitsu and, and martial like MMA has grown as fast as it has in Poland. 
Let me tell you the one fact that I know about Poland, the one fun fact. You guys are, to my knowledge, the only nation that's ever enlisted an actual bear to join your army during World War II. You guys had a bear as a, a <laughs> member true. of your military. That's true. And he was doing stuff. Yeah. You had a bear yeah, mowing he Nazis. Was, he was working. Like, Wojt he was Wojtek holding was, ammo. Yeah, yeah he was like holding. That. You guys hired a bear. And you paid the bear money to kill Nazis and help reload guns to kill Nazis. In no yeah. way am I surprised you guys are good at beating the crap out of people. <laughs> it's kind of a general consensus amongst old school dudes that like the poles are tough. <laughs> you guys I mean, have you guys have the heavyweight champion of the UFC. Like the uh, the uh, the strong man too, Put Putinowski, the world's strongest Putinowski, man. Yes, yeah, yes, right. yes, exactly. Uh, so you see, there's like Polish people, people everywhere. You can yeah. <laughs> you can see right. some of some of uh, Polish people everywhere. And funny thing, like whenever you uh, travel around the Europe, whatever gym you're gonna you're gonna visit, there's always gonna be some Polish guys there training. <laughs> And being crazy about jujitsu more than any other people. Actually. <laughs> I have a, I have a good friend of mine, uh, a good friend of mine that's that's that's, that's Polish, and we we love talking to him. He's he's just an awesome dude. I wish I wish he was around. He's uh, he's a good dude. Uh, I can't remember his damn name, and that's gonna make me crazy. But right, <laughs> well, shout, shout, out to, name, shout out to Kevin's Polish guy. Shout out to my shout, shout out to my Polish friend. <laughs> well, well, I think it's it's great to get insights onto how jujitsu is spread in in different parts of the world it's really well documented how it came to like america it's it's very well known you know the, the graces came up here helped set up the first ufc whatnot but i i would love to know more about your specific journey into martial arts specifically because of how hard it was for a lot of, we had a, a a fellow polaris guy uh, frederick uh, voskruner on a few episodes ago and he talked about how his his first professor was a purple belt, you know, and it was mm. very like lower belts scrounging together, like around like like gathering what scraps of jujitsu they could. How did you find your way into the the art? Were you always into martial arts of some kind, or or did you find it a little later? So the thing is that uh, I always kind of regret that uh, I get to martial arts uh, that late. Because I was always into competing and like I love to like wrestle with my friends, like take them down and hold them down, stuff like that. Like like this is how the kids play, right? Like they 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 wrestle each other. So I really love that, and I always I, I was always interested in uh, in uh, like grappling grappling stuff. I, I never I, I haven't been uh, like interested in kickboxing boxing was always like wrestling judo taking people down stuff like that uh so uh as a as a like uh, like a kid early uh teenager yes i wanted to to go to wrestling but but uh my parents thought that uh, wrestling can be a bit dangerous for me and uh sometime later they uh they told me that maybe I want to try with uh, Aikido. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and I got like, for, for a like, uh, for, for teenager, uh, that I wasn't really like super, uh, super in shape, super flexible, super strong, or, or any of that. I barely could uh, do a front front flip. Open. All I had was perfect hair and good looks. It was terrible. <laughs> Not even that. Not even that. So I said, yeah, why not? So I did that for, for a couple of years. And first I really got hooked, hooked up by that. But uh, after, after a while, I was like kind of, uh, there was something missing, you know? There was something missing, like... Uh, and the the missing puzzle was uh, was a competition, you know, because uh, Aikido is only about like techniques and making the the technique look better, look more dynamic, stuff like that. But there's never like uh, like 
fighting or sparring, nothing like that, you know. So uh, I w- that 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 was the the missing missing thing. So I thought like, okay, I'm gonna give a shot to uh, to jujitsu. So when I went for the for the first time, I was 18, and I went for my first class, and I fell in love, you know, like. I really loved it, and I I really loved how uh, how how technique looked, how uh, how easy it was for me to learn those techniques, and how I uh, saw like training by training, I could see like my development, like uh, I was getting better in cardio i was getting stronger my technique was getting better i was able to to like uh spar on a nice level with the with the better guys so it's a, it's a normal thing at the beginning you know you can see your your development like your 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 fast development and it, and it motivates you yeah and man, you know go ahead i'm sorry i'm good yeah and uh after a while i i felt like Okay, I I want I want to do that like more often. So I started to train every day, and then I was like just slowly adding more classes, more training. So I end up training like whenever I can, like two three times a day. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say that because again, we talk about this all the time. And coming from a black belt, you obviously you've been around long enough to uh, to understand this concept too. It's the thing that the thing that always separates jujitsu from other martial arts is the sparring is the rolling the fact that we can do things live over and over and over again and you know when you when you take the differences between aikido and jujitsu and you think about gauging yourself to see your growth like it's difficult in a in a in a stylized martial art like aikido where you're just you know you can see oh cool i got a little more height my my technique was perfect when i threw the flip and everything was cool but it's very ceremonial you know, when yeah, you're actually exactly. when like you kicked my ass last week and you kicked my ass for the last six months and then all of a sudden I get better than you. Like that is a tangible level of success. Like you yeah, can say, exactly. hey, wow. And it's not because that the instructor bowed and said, oh, your kickflip was much better this time. No, like I beat <laughs> you this time. I held you down. I submitted you. I won X, Y, Z. And there's a very real satisfaction that comes from that. The growth. That's that true. That. That's yeah. true. And the other thing is, like, you can do that every day. You can right. do that even right. twice a day. Right. And uh, that's a that's a very nice thing. And it's uh, very different from uh, from boxing or kickboxing. You can't spar every day because you're gonna get broken really fast. And right. and uh, you just can't. In jiu-jitsu, it's different. You can every day you can go the spa hard, rest, then go again, and uh, this is how how most of the guys uh, are doing, right? Yeah, I got a potentially like weird question for you, and if you, if you don't remember anything, mm-hmm. uh, feel free to just ignore it. But uh, sorry about that. I feel, and, and this is something I've wanted to ask experienced black belts uh, we've had on, but I keep forgetting to do it. Is that I feel like everybody kind of remembers the first time they lock in a choke, like uh, that's like a oh, like a some sort of neck choke, and they get the gurgle sound. Uh, <laughs> it's just like the first time you do the move so good, so fast that it the, just an unnatural sound emanates from the guy you're rolling with. Do you do you remember? Does anything like that stick out to you? Like, do you have any rem- memories of early successes like that? The first time you're able to really know in your gut that you got the choke exactly right. Uh, to be honest, I think it's it's it would be hard for me to remember because uh, because even when I was training Aikido, me and couple friends. Uh, they were also like kind of unsatisfied with what Aikido is offering. So we, we started to roll a little bit. We started to watch a little bit of like YouTube techniques. Uh, so we already knew some like basic jokes and stuff. So it's, it's hard for me to remember when did I lock like a really nice choke on the training. But for sure, I remember my, uh, my first victory with a, with a choke at the competition. That's... That's something probably you can't you can't forget. 
Like it was my first actually submission, submission mm -hmm. victory. So that that was a that was a big thing for me. Yeah, I had a. What was I it? Remember. I was a Polish nationals. So I uh, my first competition didn't go my way. I went there. I was like super nervous, and um, it wasn't like really good fight. Like the the we fought the the whole distance five minutes, and it was like a really nice pace. But uh, after I uh, I stepped out of the mat, I didn't know what happened. You know, like I couldn't remember like single move that I did that <laughs> was just like scrambling all the time, and uh, we, we were so nervous and so stressed that I couldn't remember anything. So I lost that one, I think by two points or something like that. And then uh, after that, I went to Polish Nationals and I was able to win, uh, I think, four fights. So uh, that was like, like I got bronze. I got bronze and uh, even though I, I didn't want the, the whole thing, it gave me a lot of motivation and and uh, the taste of victory, it's something you, you, you can't forget and you're always going to miss that. Yeah, man, I... I remember my first, my first submission in a competition. I remember my first submission ever too was against this kid Devin, Devin Rodriguez. I caught him in an armbar from the mount, and like he was a blue belt and I was a white belt at the time. And I was I was just so freaked out that I actually had a submission that I just pulled this thing and he was like <laughs> tapping and screaming and I was like ah and he was like dude, <laughs> you know he was also <laughs> slightly irritated because he got caught. By a yeah, blue, yeah. by a wipeout, so he had to be like, "Hey, bro, like, what's going on, dude?" And I was just like, "So excited!" I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know." I just I felt so excited. <laughs> but I had a I had a guy in competition one time um, that was he he showed up. It was funny. He we were we were go we were we were we were going. It was my first submission in, in in a competition. I had him in rear naked choke, and I had him, and he tapped. And then I got off him, and he was like, I didn't tap. I didn't tap. And the ref was like, oh, oh no. he clearly tapped. <laughs> so the ref was like, okay, well, we're going to restart it. So he literally, like, restarted with me with the rear naked choke, with him flat on the ground with the rear naked choke in. And the ref was like, go. And, like, dude, I, he was tapping and tapping. And I squeezed that thing. They had to pull me <laughs> off like Khabib didn't pull off a Conor McGregor. It was anyway, – I'm sorry about that. It's about you. It's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. That's a cool story. Anyway, oh, so man. I got I got a quick I got a quick one for you. Then we could talk about uh, talk about your matches and talk about Polaris because I'm jealous of you. I've always wanted to be on Polaris. It's such an <laughs> awesome freaking event. I think it's I just think it's the coolest event going. You get a trip to London. They they do such a good job at Polaris. I just love what they do there. Um, so did did just curiously, so you had a pretty established Aikido background and the the, the law the, the the law the lines of like uh connection i'm trying to draw here or parallels i'm trying to draw here is to see if like <laughs> even training in a martial art that doesn't necessarily offer the sparring does it still hold any kind of credibility and credence did you feel like any of the things that you learned in aikido have become a part of your game in jiu-jitsu even if it's from like a psychological point of view maybe some grips or some throws or you know any of the things that you learned that now because you were working at a high level that you start to incorporate or remember when you're doing jiu-jitsu uh so to be honest not really like if we talk about like a pure technique or grip not really because uh I think it's it's such a traditional martial arts, and uh, it has its background in a, in assault fighting, samurai stuff, things like that, like really traditional martial arts from from uh, from Japan. So it's really hard to transfer that into jujitsu. Right. But uh, what I feel is. Uh, it give me like the the conscious of my body you know like uh i knew how uh, how leg is bending how arm is bending this way it's bending this way not so okay probably uh if i want to hurt somebody i have to do this or like bend it that way or that way so like body mechanic some muscle memory a bit cardio I've, those are the things that uh, the Aikido gave me for sure. 
but uh, I can't really say that techniques from Aikido can can transfer to to Jiu-Jitsu. That's yeah. uh, kind of not possible, I think. This is just how I feel. Maybe somebody will disagree, but there, there's also like that like different aikido styles the one that i was training i can't say we we can i'm able to use that those techniques at the jiu-jitsu sparring no way i the only time i've ever really heard it even attempted we we had um we had a former aikido black belt current uh like mma fighter media person on on uh, youtube named uh, rokas uh, from Lithuania, Rokas Leonavichus. He's this. Uh, he runs this channel called Martial Arts Journey on YouTube, and we had him on. The link to the full episode will be down below. And he talked a lot about the cognitive dissonance that exists in Aikido, and how he went in hoping that I could I could make Aikido better by like incorporating some like wrist locks because they do a lot of that stuff. But he came away kind of discouraged that. It's just not there, you know. They're, they're yeah. you need to tear down the entire structure in order to make it better. And the the people in Aikido, like the higher ups of, of the sport, are not really interested in that happening. You know, no, that was something no, that he no way he to. <laughs> no way. It's you know like traditional martial arts stay traditional, and we couldn't do much about that. Uh, I think it, it has to be that way. You know, you want to, you're, I think if you're like thinking, thinking straight, thinking, thinking right, you're not gonna uh, train Aikido for, I don't know, cage fighting or self-defense. You're gonna train Aikido just because uh, you like the form, you like how it looks, you know, it's some kind of art, you know, like, right. like dancing. Right. It's more of a dance than than martial arts for me, to be honest. I always and, say that about about martial arts when I talk about like like old like stylized martial arts like that. You know, you talk, I can kind of group in in like Krav Maga, kind of in that same maybe maybe not the same idea. I I can see what you're talking about, like when you talk about like symbols and shit like that, or symbolic and shit like that, but formal. But you know, when you're, you're not you're training martial arts, it's nothing's useless. Like there are aspects of it that are, you know, somehow if you twist the wrist the wrong way, maybe you can get a little flip out of it. Like if it comes up, you're not training something that's not going to ever be useful to you. But yeah. it's all about training 101 full go. If you're not doing things 101 full go, you're not really preparing yourself because it doesn't matter how many times you try to take a knife out of somebody's hand until they're trying to kill you with that knife. It just ain't the damn same thing. And I don't care yeah. what he has to say about it. <laughs> so I got, I got one. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I got one more question. I know we're running, running a little late. I just Googled you. So now I'm not an asshole. And I Actually, was like, oh, fuck. Now I know on, who the fuck you on are. That note, I, on that note, I do have to just say, um, I, I do it. We, we ran a little late to start and I do, yeah. I did have a, a hard out at four. So I am actually going to take. Let me talk to Adam for a little bit. I'll cut it off. Yeah, no, no, no. I will, I will just bounce. Uh, Adam, Thank you so much for for joining us here. Thank I appreciate this. Sorry about that, man. All right. no, no big deal, man. Sorry, I, know I feel I feel like an asshole because I, I I knew who you were and I just I, I googled. Oh shit, that's the freaking that's that's who it is. I mean, I I followed a couple of your matches. You're, you're <laughs> nice. amazing, man. You had a good, good performance at ADCC. I see you a lot in um in uh in, in the worlds and stuff like that. So what I want to talk to you about because now that I know who you are, I want to talk to you about the butterfly guard because one of the things that I always think about when I talk about learning jujitsu at the next level. And when I say that, I mean learning jujitsu aside from static positions. Because anyway, you work in closed guard, you know, you have a static control over someone. So I can kind of force things to happen. When you're working a half guard, same thing. I can kind of force and manipulate things to happen. That's true. But when you start playing butterfly guard, you have to have an intuition. You have to be able to kind of wait and like maneuver and force your opponent to kind of take off steps and work through to that situation. You follow what I'm talking about? Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Tell me a little bit about what you believe separates 
butterfly guard and kind of helps practitioners get to that next level. Because what I always tell them, like when I have guys that come in and say, you know, I got blue belts and maybe early purple belts and they want to try to get to that brown belt. They want to start working on timing and next level type aspects of jujitsu. And I tell them, hey, play your open guard. Learn to retain your guard from open guard. Learn to wait for things to happen and, and anticipation of what your opponent does from your butterfly guard. Tell me about some of the things that you feel make butterfly guard so important in that step. So I think, first of all, like, I feel like butterfly guard is, uh, is, an, is a next step after opening up your, your guard. So there's like a close guard and half guard, and then there's a, there's a butterfly guard. So it's like open guard, but still you keep your opponent really close. And it has its pros and cons. And uh, the worst thing is like your opponent is really close. So there's like, there's no space for mistake. Whenever you make mistake, you get smashed. Your legs get, are getting smashed and he's going to land on your side. So first thing, you have to be really precise. And second thing, you always have to maintain the right distance. You can't let your opponent come too close but you don't want him also to to get get far from you so you you always have to stay active you're actively uh working with the distance and actively working with the angles and just because the distance is so small you have to do that like really precise and really quick when uh, when you have to, of course, because if your opponent is like stalling, not moving much, you can relax a little bit and uh, wait for for the right time to to start the action, you know. But if he's moving, if he's passing, then you have to like work all the time. So most of the time, I can see people uh, like giving up on uh, on hooks whenever things are going south and and they're losing a little bit, then they starting to like panic, giving up a little bit and making a space for, for the opponent. And uh, I feel like you always have to be like persistent. And even if something goes wrong, you, you have to develop tools to, to put your opponent back in your guard. So to regain the guard. Uh, those are like the, the, the major things I, I think they are very important when, uh, when playing the guard, you know, like proper angles, proper distance and active work towards maintaining them or uh, getting like new angles, new distance whenever, whenever opponent disengage or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you a lot in that. And I, I, like one of my, again, I teach a lot of private lessons. I teach private lessons freaking all day long. I got guys that come up to me, you know, they want to take private lessons from me, shit like that all day long. And one of the things that I, one of the biggest questions that I get from guys are questions about guard retention. You know, Coach Kevin, I want to work on my guard retention. I want to work on, you know, the concepts of guard retention and getting your feet back to hips again and coming back up to your base are very similar to the concepts of playing open guard or butterfly guard. So okay. eventually what I tell them is, okay, well now, you know, guard retention, it's not really a technique. It's just like a philosophy. It's a few little things we can do, but it's the idea. Yeah, it's of more getting, of a concept, more of a concept. It's the idea of getting back to that position to where you're actually in a guard and you actually have to be in that butterfly guard position. One of the things I always talk about when I heard you talk about controlling the range is I always tell people dictate the terms of the engagement. So if my opponent is coming in, I put my feet up to keep him coming coming towards me. I control that. If he's going away, I can put the hooks in the back to slow him down to keep him off base. You never allow your opponent to do what he wants to do and through simple feet to hips or around the hips or, or hooking around the legs or grabbing a grip, I'm slowing him down. And eventually, they screw up and make a mistake. And through those mistakes, you're looking for to capitalize off of those mistakes. Yeah, I, yeah of course. You're, you're always looking for – for for the dominance like dominant right. grips dominant uh controls with your with your feet that's that's true yeah i i love i love open guard that's one of the things that i would like i literally can't tell you how many times a day i've told you know and not just for me i play a lot of deep half guard but that's just 
my I'm just old now. I can't. I, I don't have it in me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Against a high level guy, like I can play open guard for a little bit, but my old ass just can't keep up with it anymore. So I got to. This is the thing. Sometimes you can get them just rest a little bit. Yeah. Take a deep breath. They, hold they on can't, for a second. Yeah, they can't do much. They can't. They, they can't be really fast in this position. Right. right <laughs> I got right, you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then you know, deep half guard kind of has a hybrid feel to it. Like it's not quite a closed guard or half guard where I have a big static control on someone, and it's not really open guard because I'm flowing underneath and I'm still maintaining control and allowing my opponent to do the things that he wants to do. And Cap, if he goes this way, he got this. If he goes that way, he got this. But there's still those moments where I can go, all right, cool, I'm just going to hold on to this leg yeah. or get a grip and just <sighs> take a deep breath and kind of move on and stuff like that. That's true. That's but that's true. cool, man. Like, I, 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 like I'm, I'm glad I got to talk to you about that because it's something that I've always, like, thought about. It's something that I always pick my brain about, the concepts of, of working from open guard because it's important for – for for jujitsu practitioners to start to learn it because that's how you learn timing that's how you learn to set traps that's how you learn to anticipate what your opponent is doing as opposed to trying to like you're not and jujitsu is about more than just implementing your game it's about understanding what your opponent is trying to do to make him make mistakes or capitalize off of his movements yeah that's true it's uh, like jujitsu is complicated and uh you have to understand a lot of things to, 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 to get good in, in jiu-jitsu. And sometimes people think like jiu-jitsu is about applying techniques. So you're going to learn one technique and you're going to apply that technique. But actually, it's, it's never about the technique. It's, it's always about the concept. It's always about the right timing. And it's always about like, proper angle and if you under understand those things you can uh, apply one technique from like 100 uh, different like positions options stuff like that and uh, if you if you just take technique as a as a just like one one piece of knowledge without any connection to to anything else then uh, your game is going to be like really limited yeah, I always say that a lot too. Like, you know, when you get your purple belt, like you you know jujitsu. There's not going to be too many more techniques that pop up that you haven't seen before, that you haven't really looked at before. You might have forgotten about them. You might have just moved on and 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 put them out of your brain because you felt like it didn't really work for you. But you know, as you go up towards black belt, you're not really learning new tech techniques at this point. You're learning when and how and why to implement those techniques to get yourself onto those elite level belts. That's true. But uh, on the other hand, uh, to be honest, uh, even at the like black belt level, I was able to implement some like very nice stuff and nice concepts. But I'm going to agree with you that uh, those concepts existed in my brain, but I never gave them a shot. You know, I was waiting for probably right time for that. And most of the time, the, the right timing means that uh, some friend of mine is showing me that technique. And I'm like, hmm, it's very good. I never gave it a shot, but it's very good. Yeah, you're like, I remember I remember that from four years ago when I was a blue belt and I was like, oh, that won't work for me because my legs are too long or my arms are too short or I'm too fat yeah. or I'm too skinny, right? And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can figure out a way to kind of piece that in. And that's just about getting better because when you're a blue belt, purple belt, it's all about winning. You got to win everything. When you're a purple belt, I got to win. I <laughs> yeah. can't take time on shit that don't work for me because that doesn't work for me. I'm going to do the five things that I know because that's what works for me. But then when you start to realize jiu-jitsu is about learning how to get better at jiu-jitsu, and that means you don't have to win every role because who gives a shit? I'm going to lose here and there. Maybe I get my guard passed. That's fine. That's when you start to refine these new positions and learn how to make them work for you and figure out ways to, to put implement them in your game. That's true. That's true. This is what happened to me with, uh, for example, with uh, single leg X. I always knew that the position exists, and I always knew how – the position looks but i was never like really into that until uh my friend tiago sa came to poland and i organized a seminar with him he's like a 
single leg X, X gods, uh, specialist. Uh, he ran a really nice seminar and I was like, Hmm, I can connect that with my butterfly. Uh, whenever somebody stands up and I'm not able to bring him down again, I can use single leg X and I'm using single leg X now. How, how important we talked about single, single leg X and it's hard to not bring up single leg X and not talk about Marcelo Garcia. And in particular, when we talk about the concepts of open guard, I always think about Marcelo Garcia as the pioneer of, you know, people don't give him enough credit of literally molding what modern jiu-jitsu has become because before Marcelo Garcia, everything was closed guard, half guard, working for those static positions and flowing things in one or eight direction. Then Mar- Mar- Marcelo Garcia came along and started playing butterfly guard and people were like, oh my God. How much How much has Marcelo Garcia influenced your game? Uh, I would love to say a lot, but it's not true actually. I mean... <laughs> I mean, uh, my first my first coach, Karol Matuszak, was uh, introduced me to to Butterfly God, and also Butterfly God came to me like really naturally for different reasons, uh, and some of those reasons were the type of my sparring partners. So most of the time was like heavy guys, really strong guys, but back in the days. Uh, Passing on the knees was a thing, uh, especially especially in Poland. I think like the the world scene was already like more passing on the feet, but in Poland, like everyone was passing on their knees back in the days. Pressure, so, pressure, passing, holding it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, right, right, exactly, right. and it worked fine for for the big and strong guys. So to deal with those guys, I had to I had to use butterfly guard because whenever I put them in a close guard. Uh, I wasn't able to move much. And whenever I put like some kind of like a long distance guard, they were able to 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 break the guard uh, really easy because uh, whenever I stretch my leg a little bit more, they lose power. But if I keep them banded in a butterfly guard, I was a, I am able to to hold like uh, really like bigger and stronger opponent. So it came to me really naturally. And of course, I took some concepts from uh, from Marcelo, and some concepts I I came up with some concepts, and then I saw the same concept or really like similar concept in his game. Uh, but uh, also, like my butterfly god game and his butterfly god game are a little bit little bit different, I feel, and and. It's uh, it's not the same butterfly god actually. Yeah, I get I get that. I I, I I didn't mean it in that way. Maybe I I I used I asked the question in the wrong way because I'm dumb. But the the point I was trying to make is like the the influence of Marcelo Garcia on playing open guard in general over that period of time when he started doing those things is is is, is relevant. I think about that a lot. That's true. That's when I think true. about all the leg locks and you know people coming up, you know inside ashis and all these things like that the fancy japanese words they use is like marcelo <laughs> garcia was doing that before anyone even knew what an ashi was <laughs> you know back before I, those i days. think it's uh right now everything is about how you deal with uh with social medias uh how you can communicate with people through social medias uh how what's your like selling skill you know how how can you sell your thing right you know i don't feel like marcelo is the like the 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 selling genius he's a, he's a jiu jitsu genius but probably i mean like mg in action is a is one of the biggest like online schools out there probably uh but still i i feel like there's like a new generation of uh, teachers already here and the like uh, marketing skill is uh way way better and you know whatever sells sells yeah i I get that all the time i I love i love watching you know instagram videos and things like that i don't give a shit like if you're if you got the if you've got the hustle 
to put your product out there. I'm not mad at you. Congratulations. You know, I'm happy for you. But it's I always see these guys and they show these new techniques and these new way they do things. And I'm like, well, you know, that's pretty cool. But it's really just a different entry from a different spot into the same that's thing. True. That you know, that's you know, true. like it's it's. But on the other hand, it's still like if it can help somebody right. and if people are, are ready to buy it then that's that's okay you know i never i used to get mad about that oh this guy putting stuff out there like i don't you know what man if you can make a living you can get people and you're and you're putting a good product out and most of these guys are like most of them are putting out good product that that is helpful and 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 yeah you have good to put for the a community good product because yeah. if you if you put a bad quality product yeah uh you're not going to sell you know, right that, that that's a thing that's a thing well, that's, like you like you said every i think everyone is is like looking for the their way to sell the product that that's why some sometimes we uh overdo with uh with the big words like you know like new thing new god right, stuff right like, right stuff right, like right. yeah they just want you know everyone wants to put people love to to act like they've invented something new and yeah maybe they did they put a new name on it. they have a different but it's really like it's the same fucking jiu-jitsu bro That's same jiu-jitsu they were doing in japan 100 years ago 200 years ago it's just the same shit man That's so true. let me That's let true. me ask you a quick question real quick no well for, actually we'll go ahead and wrap it up because i know we're going it's it's getting close to that hour mark but tell me a little bit about your match coming up in polaris what do you have coming up on the horizon uh so it's a it's a team competition. So it, it's uh, team uh, Europe versus team UK, and uh, the the groups are divided it's like light group and heavy group fighting with each other. Whoever whoever gets uh, more submission wins win the win the event. So from both sides. From European side and from uh, United Kingdom side, there are like really tough competitors, really nice names, and uh, like like I said, like two days ago, I was like answering an interview and I was asked about Team UK and how do I see the the things. I feel like uh, Polaris did a really good job in collecting European team because uh, they pick like 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 the hot names from Europe people who who already got to the to the big stage and they got some like uh, precious uh, medals from IBJJFs, AGPs, uh, whatever ADCC, all, all the all the big events and uh, Team UK I feel is not that much decorated but still they, they are like super tough guys i thought like uh all of those guys from the from the heavy heavy part of the team like uh minus 95 kilos i i fought those guys and i know how uh, how tough they are so uh yeah it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be hard you know like like for sure, uh, strategy is gonna be a key factor here, and I feel like uh, strategy is very important in uh, this kind of team tournaments because uh, you have to know when you should be more aggressive, when you should stall a little bit to take the guy out from the from the competition, and uh, you know who should fight who. All of those things, you know. So, uh, for me, it's uh, it's making the whole event more exciting and more fun as well. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of these team events. I always, I always love when you have Team X versus Team Y 
because it just it builds to the dramas, particularly now when you're there's strategic aspects to who goes against who, and and, and you true. think about those concepts when you're trying to win it as a team, because it becomes more of more than just there's still obviously individual efforts going against each other, but you're winning for your team. You've got four or five guys together on a team that are pulling through each other and, and trying that's to take. True. And it's also something something fresh for jujitsu. That's that's yeah. also a nice thing. Something different than uh, we are used to watch. So it's it's always good. I I think like jujitsu people, like events organizers, they're always like looking for ways to make it more exciting. So there's like you know a lot of like rule sets and that's just a just a new rule set and i think it's a it's a very very good one uh i'm i'm just uh i'm just wondering if the time limit of uh, of five minutes is that gonna be enough to to get many subs because uh five minutes for nogi uh wasn't enough and there was only one submission if I remember that right. right, so let's see how is that gonna work for for the gi, you know. But as we know, it's uh, it's easier to stall in the gi, and the pace of the match is usually a little bit slower. So yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm just yeah. wondering. No, and... I, I I can see that because what I I they have the same gripes about when they talk about uh, submission underground, the one with Trail Sun and that that's in in in. Um in Oregon in the States. And I love the format. I think it's an awesome format. I, I, I like the idea of it. I, I, I still would like longer matches, but the, the goal is in a five minute match. If you know, you got five minutes, you just got to go for shit. You got to sell out. You got to make mm. things happen. You know, you yeah. got to create things. And that is more difficult in the gi when you start talking about grips to be able to just say, I'm just going to sell out and be explosive and go for things because with grips, it's hard to, to do that. The game is a little bit slower and five minutes does make it kind of tough. But I mean, hell, I love gi matches. I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll watch a gi match go all day long. People talk, about, oh, gi's this, gi's that. It's boring. I don't give a shit. I love gi. I love watching gi matches. Yeah, what I think is like people say this and that, especially now because like many people fall in love and like submission only, no gi, ADCC rules, all those, all those things. I think it's always about the styles. You know, styles uh, make the matches and. Some matches are always going to be exciting. Doesn't matter if it's gi, no gi, uh, submission only. And some matches are just meant to be not exciting. And that's it, you know. Doesn't matter which rule set you're going to pick. Still, they're not going to be exciting, you know. Well, I know that you are a very exciting grappler, and I look forward to seeing you on Polaris. I just love Polaris. I think it's just a good event. I just like like I one of my dreams. I'm getting old now. I ain't got any more. It is. It is. (laughs) One of my dreams is to be on Polaris before it's all done. But I think I might have to let that one go by the by the wayside. (laughs) Maybe you can put a good word in for me. You got you got like an old man division. They can throw me in and find some old tough English dude. (laughs) Maybe after this podcast, they're gonna like, like. Hear and think about it. You never know. Maybe you know. Yeah, I got a guy I, on the inside now. I just, I just hope that, uh, like, there's gonna be more organizations like this in Europe because uh, right now, when uh, this uh, this COVID thing's happening, uh, there's always something going on in the US, and if you want to fight, you can fight almost every weekend. Right. Because there's like events all over the place. Here in Europe, it's kind of empty. We have uh, right now just Polaris and and uh, that's it, you know. So what I think is uh, would be nice to have uh, some somebody else here as well, you know. Yeah, it's it makes me sad, particularly in your instance, as someone that's as amazing as grapplers as you are, when we talk about the explosion of professional jujitsu in the States. Like I would love to see you on some of these big cards, these fight to win cards, some of these big games. Oh, Cause I too. think you, you don't have to, tell I me. think you're competitive <laughs> enough to, 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 to hold the place there and put on exciting matches and all the COVID, man, COVID just making everything bad. I think we got, I don't think we got much longer though. I think we got maybe another three, four months at the most, six months at the most before they figure out. A hope way so. To, to make hope so. Happen. Hope so. I'm not getting any younger. So <laughs> no, I hear you. Well, Adam, man, 
Dude, I'm I'm mad. I'm so busy and such a ding dong. I wish I would have figured. I wish I would have put the time in to do a little bit of research before, because I would have loved to talk to more <laughs> more to you about the. I no worries, we can do another one. <laughs> yeah, for sure, we for can sure. Always man. do like, another one. You're you're a smart cat, man. I I love talking to jujitsu about guys that know jujitsu, man. You definitely know <laughs> jujitsu, and I appreciate your time and input. When's when's your when's your fight scheduled for? Uh November seventh. Oh shit! This oh, Saturday. there it is. It's, there we go. It's Saturday. All right, there we go. Yeah, yeah, one more, one more, one more thing. I probably should have researched before I got <laughs> on the show, right? <laughs> yes, well, sir. Guys, at, at home, if uh, if you want to check out Adam this weekend on Polaris in the uh, European versus uh, versus Eastern Europe uh, Championships, uh, give it a shout out, man. Go go check him out on Fight Pass, uh, USC Fight Pass, because Adam's awesome and he's a good dude, and I'm sure there's going to be some amazing jujitsu matches on that card. Um, thank you so much for your time. Anything you want to shout thank out? You. Any sponsor thing you want to talk about before we go? Uh, thank, thanks to my sponsor, Shiro. You guys making great stuff, and I appreciate working with you. Cool, man. Well, guys, thank we're you gonna for call having it. Me. Was yeah, awesome. no, man. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Like you're a good dude. I, you're, this was, like I said, this was a fun interview. <laughs> thank for you me very to have. much. And I'm gonna be in contact with you. I'm gonna get your information from Kevin, and maybe I hit you up. I do a couple other things. Maybe I get you on do another show. We could talk a bit more on there. Nice, yeah. Let's but, do it. Go kill it this weekend, man. Um, thank but you. For the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast, I have been Kevin Gallagher. My co-host Kevin Bradley had to leave a little early. But uh, we had Adam Marcinski on today. He was an awesome guest. He's going to compete this weekend in Polaris. Go check it out. USC Fight Pass. I'm Kevin Gallagher, Jiu-Jitsu Times. We're out. Boom. We'll see you next time. See you. Thank you very much. Yeah, be good, brother, man.